This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. It's now 9.36 a.m. You're listening to The Morning Run. Time for the SM Show. This is, of course, the show where we rant about what's working in stocks and markets and what's not. I'm Melissa Idris. I've got Julian Ng and Kusu Chuang here with me this morning. And today's topic is dividend stocks. So there's a problem with that with dividend stocks, according to Julian Ng. <laughs> not according to me, but according to many people, including the Wall Street Journal, which carried an article to that effect recently. That's right. So they're, they're claiming that investors who are so desperate for yield now that interest rates are so low, um, they've driven up the prices of dividend stocks to lofty levels, so much so that perhaps they aren't even worth buying anymore. So what do that you guys think? I, I think this is a result of, um, I guess, the global interest rates being so low. And in many cases, uh, some countries are offering negative interest rates. Um, and this downward movement in interest rates, which is the price of fixed income securities like bonds, are making people to say to themselves, uh, you know, these are guys who need a certain level of income, but they're not getting it from interest paying securities and instruments. They are moving their money elsewhere just to get that income payment for themselves. Well, again, my blame game always lies at the central bank's doors because, you know, the Bank of Japan, the Federal Reserve, you know, the, the European Central Bank, they've been printing money like it's going out of fashion for the, for the last seven years. That money's got to find a home. A lot of this money finds itself into, you know, into big pension funds, to big hedge funds, into big, you know, multi-billion dollar funds. They've got to put their money somewhere and they're charging people performance fees and management fees every year for that. So they've got to get to a certain, they've got to get beyond a certain, you know, a watermark to even get into the money. So they've been chasing bonds, they've been chasing equities, they've been chasing bonds and basically there's so much money in the system now. Um, it's, it's come to this weird situation in the world whereby people are buying bonds for the capital appreciation, not for the safety margin, uh, as opposed to equities. So it's, it's really weird and it's come to yeah, such an untenable point. We've been discussing this is that, for, is that for biz- years. that bizarre now. situation where people are buying bonds for capital gains yeah. and stocks for dividends. And stocks, stocks for dividends. Can you imagine? <laughs> it's not the same asset class though. I mean, why... I, I know that people have been, uh, I know because of the low interest rate environment, this has caused um, investors, both bond, bond investors to kind of move into the equity space from what used to be uh, their domain, right? So even though the, the risk profile, their risk profile is still quite low, they've moved into the equity space, which is traditionally a riskier asset class anyway. Correct. Except that I would beg to differ nowadays because, you know, um, traditionally uh, you would buy, you know, bonds issued by, you know, developed countries, you know, big, big, big economies like the US, Japan, um, you know, the UK, Germany and Japan. But these guys are doing so badly and they're so highly in debt uh, that, you know, a lot of people are, are questioning whether they're going to actually start, you know, you know, break down in the ability to pay pay off the interest on the on these bonds so i would say that maybe these countries are not are not, are not as you know uh, averse to risk as you know as some people might think yeah, but I still think that uh, we can't ignore the plight of uh, that person, the pensioner and uh, the fixed income person who relies on their bonds for income. What are they supposed to do uh, if they can't put their money into equity, into stocks and the dividend stocks? I mean, just to give you guys a background, right? Um, there are some, I, I guess this Wall Street Journal article picked out some funds, uh, the Vanguard 
dividend growth fund uh, closed its fund. Imagine a fund telling you they don't want any more of your money and they're closing their fund because they accumulated $31 billion in fund size, which has uh, doubled over three years. Another fund, which is the Vanguard REIT fund, and REIT is another instrument, the Real Estate Investment Trust, which collects rental out of their property investment uh, and also paying a good dividends. That fund has grown to $67 billion in assets from uh, $38 billion, uh, in 2013 and from just $6 billion, uh, in 2009, which, is what, which was just right after the financial crisis. So these people have got f- uh, this sentiment that they have no choice except to go into these high-dividend stocks. So what do you do in those cases? Well, it could be a lot more serious a proposition than we think because, um, you know, and in the last few months, we've seen people like Dato Sharul from the EPF and most recently Dato Wan Kamarzaman from the Co-op, you know, basically signaling to people that we should expect lower returns from our pension funds because of exactly this phenomenon, you know, um, big, huge um, billion-dollar funds chasing sovereign country government bonds driving down yields. Or, or, or rather... N- apart from managing expectations for lower returns, Correct. Um, moving into riskier investment like private, private equity. equity. We just right? spoke about that. Yeah. I mean, we're only now just starting to see this phenomenon unfold in Malaysia because, you know, right now, even though uh, all these capitals have been flowing into the country, you know, our 10-year MGS is still yielding about 38 3.9%. But in most of the developed world, um, you, you got, you got people like Germany, Japan, Switzerland, you know, the, the European central area, all below negative already. So, it's, it's, you know, in America, this is huge pension fund shortfall, I think $3.4 trillion, according to the FT in April. It's a big problem. You know, they've got to fund the pension payments and if you're not getting the returns from the investments, then where is it going to come from? Now, I mean, I know you said you blame the central banks, but it's not like we can go up to Haruhiko Kuroda and say why you, you know, yeah, got negative correct. interest rates, raise you raise it to above the zero level, right? And it's so, not going to make a difference because he's going to expand the QE program in Japan. Exactly. Correct. So, so, I mean, it feels a bit pointless to blame central banks. Um, and it also feels a bit pointless to blame investors who are only looking out for their portfolios, right? Where else are they going to put their money if not in, you know, if bond yields are so low? So I guess so what you're really asking, Melissa, is what can be done, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> in a nutshell, what, Jules. What, what would you do? <laughs> well, you know, at the end of the day, people with much of their retirement savings in these pension funds, they're going to be expecting, you know, much lower returns, if, if at all, in the years ahead. So what you do, right? So I, I don't know. You, you've got to get more prudent with your pennies. You've got to spend less. You've got to, you know, plan for retirement a lot earlier, which is still kind of like the same thing we've always been Trump, asking people to would do. Would you go into high dividends uh, paying stocks? I would. I would. Especially now Even though they're so expensive. Well, in see see this story from the Wall Street Journal examines American American dividend stocks, right? But if you don't want to play in the big pond in America, you can still buy some pretty good stocks in Malaysia. You can buy. You're Maybach. still a young man, Chuang. You don't you don't <laughs> depend on <laughs> you don't depend on ponds, uh, bonds. You don't depend on bonds for your. If, if I live as long as Yoda, then I am still a young man. Well, you're not, not really. You might look a little like him, but you're, <laughs> I don't think you're going to live as long <laughs> as, as Yoda. No, that, but the point is that if you depended on bonds for your income you'll be sunk the the riskiness uh, is so different for example um, there is this index the Barclays US aggregate bond index um, where standard deviation which is a measure of volatility and risk is only 3.5% but investing into dividend stocks you see a volatility of 12.5%. You get 12.5% swings into your um, your stock holdings, right? So what was it for bonds again, Jules, just now? 
Only three and a half. Three and a half compared to twelve percent. Yeah, twelve and a half percent. So at any time point in time, and I may not be describing the definition of standard deviation correctly, <laughs> but uh, I think what it means is that at any point in time, you must be prepared to suffer a loss of about three and a half percent or twenty percent or whatever the case may be. Whereas with bonds, the suffrage, if the suffrage, I'm making up words, <laughs> yes. the suffrage of yeah, bonds something else. is uh, not more than three odd percent. And this comp- is compounded by the fact that equities are right now so expensive. So um, I'm going to ask myself, if I were a fixed income pensioner, what am I going to expect in terms of the potential for equity prices to crash over the next one, two or three years? And how does that in- impact my, my income? Okay, we're going to answer that question after the break. BFM 89.9. Good morning. You're listening to the SNM show, the the show where we rant about what's working and what's not in stocks and markets. Nine forty seven right now. I'm Melissa Idris with Kusu Chuang and Julian Ng, and we're talking today about the problem with dividend stocks. Now, just before the break, Jules, you mentioned that you have um, you have some issue with this. You're worried that if you are a fixed income pensioner, where would you be putting your money, right? And I saw Chuang on. Tenterhooks trying to <laughs> ready to answer to that. What was your rebuttal, Chuang? Well, I was going to say that um, I, I get what you say about standard deviations and all about this whole volatility thing. But also, you know, that's just a hodgepodge of you know financial acronyms to me because at the end of the day, wow. <laughs> sorry, this is the SNM show, right? Yeah, people lo- a lot smarter than us have actually yeah. put some thought into this. You well, know, yeah, correct, correct, correct. But but get this, okay? If you buy a U.S. Treasury bill on a ten-year basis. You're going to get 1.689% yield, okay? But in return, you're buying an economy which is $19.5 trillion in debt. Now, Jules, you're a good-looking guy, you're a nice guy, you've got Thank some you. money in the bank, and if you owe people like Melissa money, and you owe a lot of money, I'm not going to lend you anything because I don't believe that you're credit worthy. So why are people, you know, putting so much money to US T bills when it's in when it's $19.5 trillion in debt? I don't get it. It's it's all distorted. Well, you see that as a systemic problem, is it? For the sure. 19 and a half? For I sure. Mean, how, how are you ever going to pay back $19.5 trillion in debt? Well, if it's... And it's not just the Americans, it's the Japanese, it's the British, it's the, it's the Germans. Everybody's in debt. And these are guys well, who you know, are supposed you know to be stable, you know, uh, low-risk uh, countries. So but I, don't, I don't understand that equation, though, because if you're saying that it's systemic and some... Sometime down the road, that thing would uh, blow up in our faces, right? Stocks and bonds will move together. If the bonds crash, the stocks would crash too. So it doesn't make sense to pull out money from bonds and to put it into high dividend paying stocks um, because those uh, very stocks would crash as well. Correct. So that's another. D- that's and, and in fact, I think um, the recent memory of the Asian, uh, not the Asian, but the global financial crisis shows that uh, the bonds, in fact, crashed a lot less. In fact, they didn't crash. They came down slightly uh, but the equities crashed right so the equities crashed a lot more than the bonds did I agree with you but but that's of course a, a separate discussion on a separate topic people should no, but it's, be it's relevant to this discussion because this is about the efficiency and the efficacy of buying dividend stocks I think this substituting it with correct but these pension funds cannot afford to, you know, to, to have a high l- level of cash in their holdings because they're charging people, pensioners, uh, yearly yearly fees right. for for investing on their behalf. They cannot be, you know, fifty percent cash, sixty percent cash, waiting for the calamity to happen. 
So I, I, I want to... The only to person that can hold 50% cash is Tan Teng Bu and he's getting flayed with his AGM coming up. <laughs> Tan Teng Bu of I yeah. okay, But the other, yeah. the other point that you're making is that, uh, Chuang, you assigned blame to the likes of Greenspan, Bernanke and um, who's the... Yellen, Yellen. right yeah. now. Yeah. All, um, the, all the central banks, la, you are American you're central so and you, you may not You may not be quite wrong there. I, I might be with you there. But I just want to ask this experimental question. What would you do if you were the policymaker? How would you address the situation? What, like Fed chair? No, like if you were the most powerful person in the world, what would you do? How would you fix the situation? Well, I would just draw the, the, uh, you know, the comparison to the British Premier League, right? Because you've got people like uh, Roman <laughs> Abramovich at, C- at, at Manchester City. You've got you know, the Khaldun family from, from the Middle East with, um, sorry, with, uh, Ch- with Manchester City and Chelsea. You've got these little big billionaires and the Glazer family at Manchester United. They've been spending money like it's going out of fashion. Their wage bill, they can't afford to keep it up, right? And then you've got people like Arsene Wenger at Arsenal. He's been the most prudent guy. You know, Arsenal makes a profit every year. And he gets flayed. You know, he, he you know he's a con- he's the biggest contrarian in British professional football. And you know what? He should be celebrated and, and anointed and given a knighthood. But he's not. He's getting punished in the press. Why? I'm not, Why? I'm not, I'm not, not sure. I'm not sure if um, I understand what you're saying. But <laughs> analogy, I you feel mean? that you're talking about fiscal policy. Is it <laughs> <laughs> versus football? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, you can see the same thing because. So if who, you, who's if you if you have who's a Arsene Wenger in this in the the, the Fed? Arsenal football club? Yeah, I know, but who who is he in the Fed uh, scheme of things, in the central bank? Th- there there is no one country <laughs> in the world. Can, that we, is an can we move away from that football analogy for a moment? <laughs> We've so, lost Julian. Nunn so already, you you are saying that while Every central banker of while what? while the US has twenty trillion in debts, you're still recommending fiscal policy as one of the solutions. I I don't have a I don't have a solution because the okay. hole is too deep. It's, it's, it's too massively So there's no hope for the rest of us. I, I don't oh, know. I, yeah. I don't know. Well, I guess that's why you've got all these preppers and Armageddon callers. <laughs> you know, I mean, people like uh, Soros and, you know, um, uh, I, I can and all these guys, you know, they've, they've all pulled their money out of this. They're, they're holding large amounts of one cash. One of the things to do, reverse the negative interest rate policy, because clearly that's one of the reasons why tough, we're in this see, problem, it's right? Tough. If the, the, not the well, if you, did, if you did that, uh, you are at risk of putting yeah. the economy... Uh, into a standstill, if not a total crash. So monetary policy in tandem with fiscal policy. So you reverse the negative interest I, rates. I don't know. My feeling is that it's got nothing to do with uh, finance, but uh, more with politics and economics, uh-huh. where uh, people like Thomas Piketty, among others, are saying that uh, there needs to be a wealth tax. And with this wealth tax, you take money from the rich and give it to the poor so that uh, they can have a stab in life, have a chance in life, forget about investments, forget about financial assets for, for the time being right. and support uh, the lower base. Is that the S word? Socialism? Socialism. It could be. It, it, it could be. Yeah. So yeah. The, okay, so that is a solution. Okay, And if everybody will abide to the solution, which is basically this, let's zeroize all the debt, let's this wipe debt board forgiveness, clean. right? Yeah, just forgive everything and start from a clean slate again. Do you think the world would countenance that? Do you think all the billionaires and millionaires I, I don't know if Lamborghinis it will work. Yeah. And they'll never do that. Isn't that the premise of Mr. Robot? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I like the way you right? think, Chong. But but Jules, what would you do if you were a policymaker? Yeah, I that, mean, that would be what you would do. You would. I kind think of uh, that that would. I, I think taxing the rich w- is another word for revolution, right? Uh, the the masses and the proletariat will it rise. Would be impossible. It would be impossible. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. So 
the conclusion is that we're doomed, is it? Why? Well, I, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't know. No one knows how it's all going to pan out. Well, you out. know, um, I came across this article. It's quite funny uh, because di- all the talk about interest rates and inflation, um, there's an online game now that can challenge your ability to manage uh, this fictional economy. It's called Chair the Fed. So you I could try that. to be Janet Yellen and see whether you can do better than the Federal Reserve. This game cannot win one lah. <laughs> I think this is just the Fed saying if you can, if you think you, you can, can do, do my job, well, try your hand at it. <laughs> have it. Yeah, have this darn job. <laughs> okay, it's now nine fifty-four a.m. You've been listening to the SNM Show with me, Melissa Idris, Kusu Chuang, and Julian Ng. We've got the news bulletin coming up at ten o'clock. Stay tuned to BFM eighty-nine point nine. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.